0: Today I'm reading from The Virtue of Mercy and Forgiveness, Keys to Healing a Broken Heart, page 211 to 227. Chapter 5, Mercy, Forgiveness, and Healing of the Heart Ministry. The heart is the most intimate part of the person, the core, the real life, and the realm of human love, conjugal love, friendship, filial love, parental love. Dietrich von Hildebrand, The Hearts, and Analysis of Human and Divine Affectivity. Introduction. In a world where broken families, damaged relationships, and abuse have become more normal, where divorce and premarital sexual relationships are all too common, and where serious sin leads to addictions such as alcohol, drugs, pornography, masturbation, eating disorders, and serious emotional problems, such as depression, anxiety, and uncontrollable anger, it becomes painfully obvious that many need healing in their lives. There are also other less definable needs for healing, such as a lack of self-esteem, struggles with body image, and a loss of identity. The context of the modern world points to the importance for the church to do something to address this need for emotional, psychological, and spiritual healing. Healing of the heart ministry is a general, all encompassing term that is used to describe and address these needs for healing. This chapter will begin by defining what is meant by healing of the heart ministry, and then I will examine the relationship between mercy forgiveness, and healing of the heart ministry. This will lead to exploring the reality that healing of the heart is a process that happens over time. Finally, an approach to help people experience healing for their broken hearts will be proposed. This chapter is an attempt to take all that has been proposed in the first four chapters and apply it to a pastoral situation. While I will be including many of my own thoughts, I will... Also, reference sources to support my proposal. Finally, the goal of this chapter is to be is to better understand how to address the pastoral need for healing of the heart ministry, a growing and ever present need in the modern world. Healing of the heart. To understand healing of the heart ministry, it is important to first reflect more deeply. On the meaning of the word heart one of the best definitions for the word heart comes from a pastoral letter written by bishop emeritus paul laverity of arlington virginia on the heart of christ where he stated the image of the heart suggests something that is most intimate most personal to an individual indeed the term heart stands for the whole person Thoughts, feelings, the core of one's inner life and personality, the spiritual center of one's entire being. The heart is the source of one's deepest motivation, decisions, memories, and desires. We use the word heart to signify not just the physical organ, but a person's disposition, the way one looks at other people, at life itself, and at everything that exists. For this reason, in the sacred scriptures, we find the heart spoken of as the place where a person encounters God, the place in which God dwells and in which he works to bring about conversion, a change of heart, enlightenment, and new life. This definition covers a a wide range of ways to understand the heart, including the idea that it is the most intimate part of you, the place where God dwells, and the place where you encounter God. According to the New Testament, as St. Paul states in the letter to the Romans, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit which has been given to us. Romans chapter 5 verse 5. The hope is that receiving this love into your heart occurs for Catholics through the sacrament of baptism and confirmation. The heart is also the place where you know that you are a son or daughter of God. It is the deepest part of yourself, the Holy of Holies, in the temple where the Holy Spirit dwells. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. In the Old Testament, according to a study found within the theological dictionary of the Old Testament, the heart refers to your personal identity. More specifically, the heart is, quote, a term for all the aspects of a person, vital, effective, noetic, and volat, As the effective center, the heart is the seat of the emotions, such as joy, peace, pleasure, love, sympathy, affection, grief, sadness, despair, bitterness, fear, excitement, anger, wrath, and apprehension. As the noetic center, the heart is the place where the information your senses receive is internalized. It is the seat of memory. That allows you to recollect and learn from experience. It is also the place where wisdom given by God dwells. Consequently, if the heart lacks wisdom, it leads to a failure to see the larger picture. Confusion, disorientation, senselessness, foolishness, and pleasure in worthless pursuits. Lastly, as a voluntative center, the heart, as the theological dictionary of the Old Testament states, quote, functions as the driving force between, behind the voluntative endeavors of the individual. It engages in performative conceiving and planning. It is the seat of courage and enterprise, close quote. The heart is the driving force that burns within the prophet, compelling him to proclaim the word of Yahweh, even when it is troubling and disturbing. The heart is also the place where plans are conceived, but not executed. And this is described in scripture as the meditations of the heart. In the religious and ethical realm, according to the Old Testament, it is Yahweh who governs the heart. Thus, he knows it, he can strengthen it, and he can take away a stony heart and give back a new heart, which leads to, quote, a new and authentic life in relationship to Yahweh, close quote. The heart is also the voice of conscience, the seat of all human vices. For example, hubris, arrogance, forgetting the law, the hardness of heart and the seed of the virtues, for example, purity of heart and uprightness of heart. In the Hebrew Old Testament, leb, which means heart, is used 596 times. And Labab, the inner heart, or the mind or the soul, is used 249 times. The word heart is a key concept in scripture that helps shape the way you look at life what it means to be a human being, and what it means to be in relationship with God. Knowing your heart is necessary to understanding what God is trying to communicate to you through Scripture. The concept of the heart is also central to deeply integrating the teachings of the Catechism of the Catholic Church into your life. So often this doesn't seem to occur. As Dietrich von Hildebrand states in The Heart's an analysis of human and divine affectivity, quote, the affective sphere and with it the heart has been excluded from the spiritual realm, close quote. Hildebrand proposes that the root cause for this mistake comes from Aristotle, who believed that, quote, the affective realm and with it the heart belongs to the irrational part of man, close quote. This belief is connected to Aristotle's understanding that happiness, the highest good that you can seek, is actualized through knowledge. Hildebrand proposed that it is not enough to simply think or will happiness. If thinking or willing happiness is all that happiness is, then it would have no real meaning. Happiness is attached to a feeling, and this is the way in which it is both experienced and lived. The problem with relegating the heart to the irrational part of a person can be understood as a failure to distinguish. One of the principal reasons for underrating the affective sphere, for denying the existence of spiritual affective acts, for refusing to grant to the heart a status analogous to that of the intellect and the will, is that one identifies affectivity with the lowest types of affective experience. The entire affective area, and even the heart, has been seen in light of bodily feelings, emotional states, or passions. Quote. The problem arises when you equate passions, such as jealousy, selfish ambition, and laziness, with passions that express some of the most deepest and meaningful experiences in life, such as the joy you experience at the birth of your child i.e. a joy that lasts for weeks or months. The deep contrition of someone who goes to the sacrament of reconciliation after ten years of being away from the sacrament, i.e. a contrition that leads to metanoia and a conversion of heart. Or the love and compassion that you have for a spouse or parent who has a terminal disease, i.e. a compassionate love that will not allow you to abandon the loved one who is sick and suffering. The reality is that the heart is, quote, the most intimate part of the person, the core, the real self, and the heart is also the realm of human love, conjugal love, friendship, filial love, parental love, close quote. The heart is where you love and are loved, where you forgive and are forgiven, and where you experience loss and the freedom to live in the truth, of who you are as son or daughter, who is made in the image and likeness of God. In effect, this means that as a Christian, you are called to image Christ in all your words, actions, and feelings. Jesus, of course, loved compassionately, felt the pain of loss deeply, and rejoiced when the lost were found. In the final analysis, it is through the sacred heart of Jesus that you can come to be filled with love. Through the sacred heart of Jesus, you can love in a way that would otherwise be impossible. Jesus has a sacred heart that is vulnerable, unprotected, and open. He also has a desire to love the broken. It is a heart that loves the sick that weeps at the sight of a woman's pain over the loss of her brother that is open to a sinful woman, even when Jesus knows he will be embarrassed and misunderstood in front of others who cannot understand his heart. And it is his sacred heart that leads Jesus to spend his last moments on earth at the Last Supper with those whom he loved. The sacred heart of Jesus is also a heart that knows the pain of betrayal and the power of merciful and forgiving love. Lastly, it is a heart that understands what agony feels like at the moment of death, what trusting someone looks like when all seems lost, and the nature and depth of a tender heart that loves gently. In the future, I hope to do further study and research on the heart. Unfortunately, this multifaceted understanding of the heart, which was once a basic and important way for biblical people to understand themselves, is now lost or at the very least overlooked or ignored i see a need to bring such understanding back into our theological self-understanding in addition it lays a stronger foundation upon which to offer healing of the heart ministry reflecting upon the depth of the sacred heart of jesus and the way in which it is directed and connected to the father through Jesus' abandonment and self-surrender to God and his willingness to offer the supreme sacrifice of his life out of infinite love. Hildebrand wrote, We are confronted with the great mystery that his divinity is revealed in a most intimate way. It is the mystery that his heart is substantially united to the second person of the Holy Trinity. The mystery of the Sacred Heart of Jesus helps you understand your own heart. This understanding occurs both in the ways your heart is like the Sacred Heart of Jesus, even more so in the ways that you are broken, sinful, and in need of healing of the heart ministry. Healing of the heart ministry is ultimately directed toward healing from the negative effects of someone else's sin or from the negative effects of your own sin. This includes healing from any physical, emotional, psychological, or sexual abuse, as well as from any neglect from your parents. It includes healing from divorce and from growing up in a dysfunctional home. It also means healing from any broken relationships, i.e., a family member, boyfriend, a girlfriend, coach, teacher, etc., that cause you serious harm. Healing of the heart involves seeking healing from the effects of participating in any ongoing mortal sin, such as an addiction to masturbation, pornography, alcohol, drugs, or gambling. In addition, it means healing from any premarital sexual relationship or from a same-sex sexual relationship. Healing of the heart can also mean healing from the sudden death of a loved one, i.e. parent, child, friend, etc., or from an accidental or tragic death, such as a suicide. Lastly, healing of the heart includes healing from any traumatic memories, i.e. from abuse, a a car accident, bullying, etc. More specifically, healing of the heart and ministry applies to the following ministries. Post-abortion ministry, ministry to those who have been abused, ministry to single mothers, healing after divorce, ministry to those who are grieving, 12-step programs, healing from same-sex or premarital sexual relationships, deliverance ministry, and exorcism ministry. It is important to note that healing of the heart helps to facilitate the ongoing and universal call to holiness. Healing of the heart is not primarily concerned with feeling good, or helping someone to experience an emotional release, although both often do occur. Instead, healing of the heart is primarily about drawing you into a deeper relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The reality is that without healing of the heart, you will not be able to fully discern and live out your vocation, i.e. as a single person, married, religious, deacon, or priest due to all that stands in the way, such as unforgiveness, overwhelming emotions, evil spirits, and lies. Likewise, all that stands in the way can prevent you from entering more deeply into prayer and from trusting God fully with your life. Healing of the heart helps you to open to the grace that only God can give to bring about a deeper inner healing. Such healing can help you to be Merciful as God is merciful, and to lay down your life for your friend, as you learn to forgive from the heart, even to love and pray for your enemies. To say it more directly, according to Saint Jose Maria Escriva, quote, if you want to achieve holiness, in spite of your personal shortcomings and miseries, which will last as long as you live, you must make an effort with God's grace, to practice charity, which is the fullness of the law and the bond of perfection, close quote. Thus, in very real, practical, and concrete ways, healing of the heart can help you reach a greater level of sanctification and holiness. The question becomes, if you come to recognize that you need healing of the heart ministry, then how do you seek that healing? Part of the answer lies in coming to understand forgiveness more deeply, along with its connection to mercy and healing of the heart this will be the focus of the next section mercy forgiveness and healing of the heart ministry the virtue of mercy according to saint thomas aquinas in question 30 of the second part of the second part of the summa theologiae falls under the cardinal virtue of charity and it has two parts one the virtue of mercy leads you to have heartfelt sympathy or compassion at another person's distress, which then causes the desire to act to alleviate or lessen the other person's distress. And two, the virtue of mercy also involves pitying someone who is suffering. This can lead to grieving for another person who is suffering out of your love for them. The virtue of mercy, according to Aquinas, is probably something you show to another person. There are but there is also a sense in which you can show mercy to yourself. Robert Enright understands forgiveness as it is defined by Joanna North. When unjustly hurt by another, we forgive. When we overcome the resentment toward the offender, not by denying our right to the resentment, but instead by trying to offer the wrongdoer compassion, benevolence, and love. As we give these, we as forgivers realize that the offender does not necessarily have a right to such gifts. Close quote. Inright makes the point that this definition includes three implications. Quote, First, we are acknowledging that the offense was unfair and will always continue to be unfair. Second, we have a moral right to anger. It is fair to cling to our view that people do not have a right to hurt us. We have a right to respect. Third, forgiveness requires giving up something to which we have a right, namely our anger or resentment. Close quote. Forgiveness requires you to give the offender an unconditional and undeserved gift. Bringing Aquinas and Enright's insights together, you can have compassion for the person you hurt, which is mercy, and then extend an act of kindness and love toward the offender through forgiveness. In a similar way, God has pity towards you when you are in distress through his mercy, even when that distress was caused by your own sinful actions. If you repent for what you have done, God is always ready to forgive you, which is an act of God's mercy. At the same time, to forgive At the same time, divine revelation makes it clear through the words of Jesus that mercy will not be granted to the unmerciful. The fifth beatitude. And mercy and forgiveness will not be granted to those who do not forgive others. The fifth petition of the Our Father. This basic spiritual principle is always true, no matter what the other person has done or how many times he has done it. For example, Jesus calls Peter to forgive seven times, seventy times. When considering forgiveness in the context of forgiving someone who has hurt you very badly, it is important to recognize that forgiveness is both a choice and a process. It is primarily an act of the will and an emotional desire of the heart. Therefore, it is not unusual for emotions to follow actions, even if there is a delay for the emotions to catch up to your actions. Thus, if you did not desire to forgive, you can still choose to forgive. At the same time, the fullness of forgiveness, which often comes at the end of a longer process, includes the desire to forgive and the choice to give the other person an undeserved gift. This choice to forgive is connected to the virtue of mercy, which helps you to freely connect with another person's suffering as you seek to alleviate the suffering by forgiving him. Just as forgiveness is a process, healing of the heart is also a process that happens in steps and over time. One of the key steps to healing of the heart is forgiving. In many ways, without forgiveness, healing of the heart is not possible because unhealthy anger attached to unforgiveness is in the way of receiving God's healing love. Enright has clearly shown that by not forgiving, or giving into unforgiveness it causes the following negative effects on it. one your psychological and physical health due to anger that builds up for example high blood pressure heart disease suppression of anger to depression or excessive excessive venting of anger leading to violence. Number two, your relationships with others. For example, anger is transferred unjustly to family and friends. And three, the well-being of the offender. For example, allowing the cycle of anger in the offender to continue instead of helping him to change through forgiveness. Unforgiveness is directly connected to anger, and if unforgiveness is indulged, then the anger which is made a home in you will prevent you from receiving healing of the harm. The virtue of mercy allows you to separate your anger from the pain of what has happened and recognize your own need to forgive, for example, so that the anger can be released and the other person's need to receive forgiveness. The virtue of mercy also allows you to have pity for your offender's well-being. Even in the case of something greater, such as abuse or divorce, the virtue of mercy allows you to see the offender in his misery, distress, and sin, and then choose to extend to him the gift of forgiveness, which is an expression of having a merciful heart toward the offender. In each of the eight healing ministries examined, forgiveness was shown to be an important part in the process of healing of the heart. For example, Bob Schutz and his healing of the whole person approach, quote, forgiveness involves going through a process of letting go of an offense and then releasing justice and then releasing judgment, anger, bitterness, and a need for revenge, close quote. Holding, holding on to judgment, anger, bitterness, and revenge will prevent healing of the heart from taking place. To let go of these overwhelming emotions is to see the offender through the lens of the virtue of mercy. Doing so can allow you to recognize that the person who hurts you is in his own prison, his own darkness, and his own enslavement to sin. Seeing the darkness that another person is in can lead you to have compassion toward him. This compassionate mercy will make it easier to extend forgiveness to him. And after doing so, it will make it possible to ask God to take away the anger, resentment, and bitterness. According to Father Dave Pavanka in Spiritual Freedom, receiving true spiritual freedom another word for healing, leads to a freedom from unforgiveness. What Pavanka recognizes is that without coming to freedom from unforgiveness toward the person who has hurt you, healing of the heart is not possible because you will remain enslaved and attached to the person who caused the harm. Remaining attached to this person will prevent healing of the heart from taking place Because it is the refusal to forgive that keeps you emotionally and spiritually attached to the person who hurt you. In essence, the path to freedom from an unhealthy attachment to the very person that caused the harm in the first place remains open if you choose to forgive. If you do not, then the unhealthy attachment will remain. As such the path to healing of the heart will open or remain closed depending on your merciful or unmerciful actions toward your offender. Making this choice to forgive is more possible when you are practicing the virtue of mercy. Being merciful means that you can recognize that God is consistently forgiving you, and this requires you to do the same toward your offender. If you want mercy from God, then you must show mercy to others. Recognizing this can help you get past the emotional pain and hurt and help you to make the courageous choice to forgive. For Neil Lozano, forgiveness is the second of of five keys that will lead to unlocking the chains that keep your heart bound. The goal for Lozano's ministry is for you to experience deliverance also another word for healing. To help facilitate this healing, Lozano has you pray a forgiveness prayer out loud as you state specific things for which you are forgiving the person who hurts you. This prayer could also be used in reference to yourself and your own need for self-forgiveness. Lozano listed nine reasons why you may not want to forgive. Similar to shoots Lozano understood that a desire for revenge, fear, and pride can all be in the way of forgiving and preventing the healing of the heart process from taking place. Practicing the virtue of mercy can make it more possible to let go of the desire for revenge as well as the fear and pride. Revenge is a desire for you to do something bad and return to a person who has hurt you. This is the opposite of Jesus' words in the Gospel of Luke, quote, Be merciful as your Father is merciful, close quote. Or in the Gospel of Matthew, quote, Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, close quote. And by not forgiving, you cannot expect mercy or forgiveness from God. When you recognize this reality, you can choose to let go of your desire for revenge and choose to cultivate a desire for mercy through an act of forgiveness. According to Edward Smith, there are seven important principles to forgiveness. One of those principles is the idea that you need to give up receiving restitution from the person who hurt you. Quote, if we look to the offender for healing, restitution, or compensation, we will only be more wounded. The one who has caused the pain does not have the means to repay the debt will remove the pain from our lives. Quote. The idea of not seeking restitution or compensation is connected to the virtue of mercy because fundamentally, mercy is an undeserved gift that is given to another person. In this sense, when you give the person who hurts you the gift of forgiveness out of mercy, you are choosing to give an unconditional and unmerited gift. Giving this gift could bring healing of the heart to the offender it also opens the door for you to take a step toward healing letting go of the precondition that requires restitution compensation also equates to having a new hope that healing of the heart is possible Francis McNutt proposed that not only do you need to act upon the virtue of mercy and give the other person the gift of forgiveness when you have been hurt but you need to ask for the grace to do so make McNe- acknowledge that it is only through Jesus that you can make such an act you cannot do it by yourself or on your own strength it is not simply willpower or just dis- or determination that is required this is especially true when it comes to abuse because the overwhelming emotions and memories are so strong it is hard to choose to forgive Instead, you need to ask Jesus directly to fill you with an understanding and love for the other person, and then to pour out his, quote, forgiving love into the heart of the person who is having a hard time forgiving, close quote, which in this case is you. Asking Jesus for this grace, receiving it, and acting upon it are all part of the healing of the heart process. Only Jesus can take away the overwhelming emotions and heal the hurtful memories. Jesus wants to do this. I proposed propose that it is important for you to ask Jesus directly to intervene and to help you do what you cannot do by yourself. The virtue of mercy and the choice to forgive are directly interrelated and interconnected. There really is no forgiveness without mercy. In a similar way, the healing of the heart process cannot begin until you make a choice to forgive. Otherwise, any number of obstacles, for example, unforgiveness, judgment, anger, bitterness, looking to the offender for restitution or compensation, a desire for revenge, fear, pride, trying to forgive by your own strength, etc., can be in the way of of you taking steps toward healing of the heart. Humbly asking God for a merciful heart and for the grace to forgive, and acting on this grace can remove all these obstacles. If forgiveness is a process that is facilitated by the virtue of mercy, then it is also true that healing is a process that is facilitated by a merciful person who chooses to forgive. The door to healing of the heart opens when you make the choice to mercifully Forgive. In my own experience, the average person has not learned or been taught what it means to forgive. Many are growing up in broken and fatherless families where forgiveness is not modeled, and children do not see forgiveness as a viable or reasonable option. This points to the need at present for providing forgiveness education. Learning to forgive is a life skill. Without learning and practicing this skill, the door to healing does not open. It is my hope by offering forgiveness education, along with healing of the heart ministry, this will be a combination that leads to people people to experience emotional, psychological, physical, and spiritual healing more fully and deeply. The next question is: What else besides mercy and forgiveness? does the healing of the heart process entail, Close quote. The process of healing of the heart. The word process is defined by Merriam-Webster's dictionary as, quote, a series of actions that produce something or that lead to a particular result, Close quote. A process can also be a series of steps or interrelated activities. Normally, the word implies that the desired result is not immediate. Instead, it happens over time, day by day and step by step. For example, physical healing is often a process. On the natural level, it is not unusual for the body to heal over time. After a major surgery, lifting weights, running a marathon, it takes the body time to heal and reach full strength again. When certain injuries, even with the passage of time, the body may heal, but it does not reach its full potential yet. It is also true that sometimes an infection can keep a wound from healing. The wound may appear healed from the outside, but underneath the skin, if if an infection is present, the wound will not only not heal, but it will get worse as the infection grows. For an infected wound to heal, you need to reopen the wound. Go inside, clean out the bacteria, apply medicine and antibiotics to the wound, sew it back up, and wait for healing. Sometimes you may need to go back in again and clean out whatever infectious bacteria remains because it was not completely removed. Only when all the infection has been removed is it possible for the body to begin the healing process? In a similar way, what is true on the natural level is often true on the spiritual level. Just as healing the body takes time, healing of the heart is a process that happens over time as well. It does not happen in a day, after one time of prayer, or even sacramental confession when there is a need to heal from the effect of sin. Instead, it happens over time and through a series of steps. If it is normal for the body to heal over time, it is also normal for the heart to heal gradually, steadily, and sometimes more slowly than you would like. Inright believed that forgiveness is a process, and he proposed an approach that involves four phases and 20 guideposts. To help guide that process. He also has some helpful advice for those who are seeking to go through the process of forgiveness. For example, quote, "We do not all forgive in the same way. We all heal from injustices at different rates. Certain guideposts will be more relevant to your circumstances. Some of the guideposts will be more difficult than others." Close quote. He went on to say, quote, "The forgiveness process is not rigidly fixed. Having addressed a particular guidepost at one phase in the process, you may be surprised to discover that later you have to go back and revisit it, this time with a transformed attitude. Close quote. If forgiveness is a process, then it is a process existing within the healing of the heart process. Neil Lozano's deliverance ministry also involves a process. Quote, Unfortunately, deliverance is often associated with peak experiences, even though peak experiences do not often occur. Deliverance should be an ongoing part of the process of conversion as we pursue the Lord and surrender more of our lives to Him. Repentance, forgiveness, renunciation, authority, and blessing are all part of our inheritance as sons and daughters of God. Close quote. Part of receiving healing for your heart involves claiming, embracing, and accepting your inheritance as a beloved son or daughter of God. More specifically, this means understanding the dignity, value, and worth given to you by God. When this dignity is attacked, it leads you to doubt your value and worth. Therefore, recovering, restoring, and living out of your renewed dignity is normally a process that happens over time. Healing of the heart is also a process that literally takes time. It does not happen overnight or in a day. As a result, when praying for healing of the heart, it is not unusual that you may have to pray with someone more than once over a period of time. Father John Hampshire referred to this in Healing Your Family Tree. Quote, Jesus said, always pray and do not give up. It is often helpful to repeat the Eucharistic service for the healing of the family tree, perhaps even several times, particularly for those families in which the wounds and ailments and aberrant behavior are deeply ingrained. The deeper the injury, the more love is needed to heal it, close quote. It is important to persevere and not get discouraged when the healing of the heart process is taking longer than expected. In healing, Mary Healy provided a good reminder in relationship to this, quote, Even when it seems nothing is happening, in response to our prayer, then the Lord may be accomplishing immense unseen changes. Often there are hidden spiritual or psychological mountains that need to be removed. As we persevere in prayer, the Lord is removing the obstacles, little by little. Healy is referring more directly to prayer for physical healing, but the same principle applies to healing of the heart, because until the obstacles are removed, healing of the heart cannot happen. This process takes time, and it is helpful for you to accept this reality. Instead of struggling with how long it will take or wanting it to go faster, there are many approaches to healing of the heart. Each healing of the heart ministry has its own approach, its own language and terminology, and its own specialty. For example, helping people who have been abused, those seeking freedom from addiction, or seeking healing and their family tree, etc. And so now I am going to present my own method, and approach to healing of the heart ministry. And so let us pray. Um, Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to have a greater appreciation for what it means to be merciful and what it means to forgive. Um, give us the strength to, to do this in our relationships, especially with people that have hurt us or in relationship to ourselves. We pray also that as we go through the healing of the heart process, we can um, be patient and be trusting um, that you're working, And both during the times when we can see that you're obviously working and during the times when it might be more difficult for us. Um, We ask this in Jesus' name. And May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.